Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Colkill and Nick here of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing when do you become a grown-up? Nick, when do you become a grown-up? Well, this is something I was thinking about recently in the context of having had a birthday. It wasn't a particularly significant one, but it was 42. And when you realise that that's halfway to 84... And you're only, you know, like if you're 42, you're, only, four... you're only 18 years away from 60. 42 That's... is the answer, isn't it? Yeah, according to Douglas Adams. Yeah, sorry, keep um, going. Yeah, so so I, I was musing on on the whole idea of, you know, how, how you change over your lifetime. And, and this question of when you become a grown-up. And, and then you recently spotted an article on uh, the BBC, which was about, uh, you know, basically saying um, scientists are less sure that there is an obvious cutoff. I'm not sure anyone ever really believed there was, but, you know, that actually your brains kind of continue to mature throughout your 20s and are not done and dusted by the time you're 18. Um, and then at the same time, watching my kids grow up, you know, my son is my oldest kid is, is 10 and he he started, he's about to go to a big school and he started walking to and from school by himself so um you know the first sign really of, of sort of him being out and about in the world by himself and it's got me thinking when do you when i when do you become a am i a grown-up when do you become a grown-up yeah i'm not sure if you are completely grown up but um I, neither am i that's the problem but i know what you, you i know what you're saying about this turning 42 and working out how long's left and because for example i've always imagined hopefully more or less correctly that i will live to be 90 years old Okay, that's right. what that's what I've always imagined, um, and the reason why is my father. He died when he was ninety. Um, I've got lots of long-lived um, antecedents, and you know, I, that's that's my target, right? Right. Good. But I am now uh, forty-five. Good God, that's halfway. I am halfway. Have you done half the things you intended to do? <laughs> I probably have actually. I've done, and, That's good. Uh, I think if you're getting through the bucket list, you know, you're fine. Yeah, you're on track. And then I'm about to turn uh, 46, uh, which comes after 45. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, and and good. that's and that's in a in a few weeks' time. And that's made me realise, oh God, right, I'm just on the other side of that hill. It's all um, downhill from now. It's all here, downhill according to that model. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, Peter, you're a young whippersnapper. He is. He's only he's only 18. <laughs> I wish I wish I was only 18. How yeah. old are you, Peter? I'm. 37. 37. 37, yeah. Okay. 37 is a significant age, I think. I have a theory about that, but let's hear Peter's take on it. Yeah, so what's your sort of, I mean, what are your thoughts on what we've said so far about when you become a grown-up? Um, we've not really had an answer yet other than we're just kind of thinking yeah, about well, it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think, I, think you, you, I think whatever age you are, you sort of lament your previous years, don't you? You sort, mm. of, you sort of, well, we not lament them, but uh, you think nostalgically about them. And yeah, even at, even when I was in my early 30s I was thinking where did the 20s go I was really kind of enjoying those where did, where, or, I, or, or, a, or a feeling of I didn't what, what happened today I, I, I didn't quite do all the things I was intending to do but um yeah so I didn't do anything well that, yeah, that was, yeah, did I, nothing of any note at yeah, all we joined the civil service which was a big problem I think um yeah anyway so the uh yeah a lot of the a lot of the, the research I was doing seemed to suggest that what constitutes an adult is uh, various sort of statuses or ownership of various things. So having mm. a job, having a house, mm. um, which seem to be um, ideals that are relative, relatively recent in human history. So 
they kind of ideals that came around in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So sort of the baby boomers and the silent generation impose, have sort of imposed these values of what qualify you as an adult. Mm. Before that, the, the, it was it wasn't totally unlike uh, it is now with lots of transient behavior. Pe- parent people going back to their live with their parents, people mm-hmm. not being able to afford their own homes and things. So and you know job. Uh, job security not being what it was uh more recently with um uh pro worker legislation and things making job security quite quite good quite in favor of the worker so yeah it's 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 uh they, they, i think the modern ideals this idea of adulthood that we that we pin well and yeah and it's obviously something that people are concerned about because People, are, I mean, I I didn't really hear the term adulting until recently. Adulting, adulting. It's a, what millennials say when they're trying to work out how they should behave oh, as, as adults. Um, yeah, so I, I I suck at adulting type, yeah. type thing. Um, wait, sorry, just what? Why are you? Well, no, I was going to say just, let's let's try. I'm trying, and, to, I'm trying to get some. I'm going to start becoming more precise now. Well, that in itself well, right, is a case so, of adulting. So, Go so for it. Exactly. So I think we've got three. Whereas things. if I were to keep interrupting you all the time, that yeah, would be the opposite. Kind of annoying. Um, I, there are, I think these three separate concepts, which are biological adulthood, which, okay. you know, that's straightforward. Well, not straightforward, but I mean, one of the key milestones really is is sexual maturity. So it's when you can have babies. And I, th- I would say, I think throughout nearly all of history, that has been considered to be, you know, the, the time when you have some sort of rite of passage and then, hey, presto, you're a man or a woman. Um and and so that I think that's yeah that's the biological concept which I think has held sway until very recently until the last couple of hundred years, and then of course we we have uh, these new concepts like social adulthood which is closely tied to um, to uh, uh, to legal adulthood and obviously in law you you can't just say well uh, someone's an adult and legally responsible for things when they've gone through puberty because it's quite hard to measure which is why we have these precise cutoffs you know that you're yeah. eight, uh, when you're when you're standardizes it as well yeah exactly then there's no ambiguity about it um and then and then we've got uh, and i think social adulthood also encompasses some of the things that peter's talking about sort of um you know kind of the kind of aspirational or lifestyle or you know kind of status markers of being an adult and then there's psychological adulthood which I think is the, for me, is the sort of interesting one, mm. which is what is it that you can th- think or do or, you know, um, consider to be part of yourself when you become an adult? And that's that's the thing I think we, we don't notice because it's happening so gradually. But when, when we look back and think, oh, my God, what an idiot I was, we realize that we have, uh, you know, matured in some way. And um, and I guess there's there's that a sort of very rapid period through which that happens during during, you know, your teens uh, where, you, you you know, I think it's reasonable to think that a 23 year old is much more distinct from a 13 year old than a 33 year old. Right. So so you, you, you could say that, that psychological development happens. And I think that's you know, that's where the, the sort of neuroscience is um, on, on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so. There, yeah, three got three at least three overlapping concepts of of adulthood. Um, some of which give you precise answers, which are probably not very useful, and some of which give you useful answers, but which are hard to measure. So yeah, so to, to just to sum up, this is so. First is biological. Second is kind of uh, social and the sort of when we accrue things like car keys and you know, or in fact, yeah. being able to drive and have a house. And have I, a, I would, I would a throw dog. legal in with there as well. Okay. And then the third one is kind of your kind of perception and how you see yourself. And okay. yeah, all right. Well, look, we know what angle do we want to pursue here? I, I think I think 
I think that we it might be fun just to go talk about personal experience. Actually, I think this might be one of those where we can try and think of our own. Okay, and to whinge about millennials as well. Yeah, we, let's right. try and avoid that. <laughs> I feel, I've always feel defensive about millennials. Because at heart, you're still one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay, well, we're, we're actually zenials. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, it's because cool, yeah. we're Generation X. No, no we're not. We're, we're, we're halfway. X we're between. We're a mini generation. Between I think I'm a Generation Gen X. X. He's Generation X. You're yeah, Gen sure. X. Yeah, but we're but Nick and I are uh, Xenials, So it's Xennials. Is, is how it is it pronounced? Yeah. Xennials, Okay. Yeah. So we're yeah. Okay, we're, I'm confused already, which is probably quite a, a Generation X thing to say. I yeah. don't know. Just like, oh, what's going he on? He doesn't understand this because it's all about memes and the internet. Yeah. No, no I do. Idea. I don't understand memes. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, let's address this from a personal point of view then. Um, of 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 how. And when we felt like adults, I think so. I'll go first if I yeah, may. Yeah, go for it. Um, I think there's some really obvious ones like having kids. Mm. Um, so that was that was probably the major one when I sort of felt truly grown up. Because until then, you can kind of um, you can kind of fake it. I think. Um, but you know, having kids. Um, I remember getting my first job where I got paid a reasonable amount of money. I, I actually any money, which was at university. Um, so I remember I got paid 300 quid and I bought a camera for 100 quid from that. What are the big ones? Buying a house. Buying a dog, which then I had to take back, actually, because I wasn't able to look after it. Um, so. You make it sound like the dog was really difficult. But no, it's just you, you, you had this idea. And this is to do with your, you know, one of the things children have yeah. is this divergence between their idealized self and their real self. Yeah. Uh, well, you, your idealized self was that you were going to be a kind of really devoted dog owner. Yeah. Your real self was that you're a lazy turd and you couldn't be bothered <laughs> to take it for walks. And eventually you decided to get rid of it. Chucked I, it in a bag, threw it at the river, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a bloody big bag. I big just dog. want to say that Fraser didn't dispose of the dog that way. <laughs> he he just, just he just ran it over repeatedly. With yeah, no, it was much four. simpler. Um, so yeah, those those are some of my ones. Um, yeah, I don't know, Nick, Peter. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know, Peter. You got some? Uh... Well, I felt terribly grown up after university, leaving university, um, and when I look back on myself, I realised that. I, wasn't I was a pretty immature little so and so um uh, yeah I felt very grown up joining the army uh thinking that would be a good thing to do but uh had left the army with uh with a back problem um and oh, back uh, problems definitely is something you know you've grown up well yes I felt problem. very I felt very also at the same time very old because of the back problem but uh also very immature because I had to really restart a career from scratch um kind of in mid-twenties so um, yeah, felt felt sort of slightly dispossessed at that time. Didn't know quite how to feel, but I've always felt kind of mature. I've always been. My friends have always said, "Oh, you're such an old man, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, because I've always generally been more sensible and more boring than they have. Um, yeah, I agree that you're definitely you've got that maturity about you. I think that you're quite sensible, and I imagine you've always been quite sensible. Yeah, who wants to be sensible and solid? I'd rather be, be wild and fun. Well, the alternative <laughs> is you unfortunately end up with me and have a life like mine, which is well. Not- it is it's interesting this because I, when I left university and joined the Ministry of Defence, I really did not feel uh, grown up at all. And um, a lot of my fellow fast streamers who were, um, yeah, but my age, but you, a lot of them were a little bit older, but not that much, you know really acted like they got their shit together you know they were really they were sort of confidently talking to 
permanent undersecretaries. And I remember going to this, uh, you know, sort of social event where a minister was there and I was studiously avoiding him. I, th- I thought, what do I, why do I, why is a minister going to be interested in talking to me, you know? And um, so I, I, I really thought, you know, everyone else seems to know what they're doing. And then I think you, you notice these, the stages of imposter syndrome as they happen to me over the course of, I'd say about 15 years, is you start out by thinking, God, everyone else knows what they're doing and I don't. Then you get to the stage where you think, uh, shit nobody knows what they're doing and then you finally get to a stage where you think well nobody else knows what they're doing but i do know what i'm doing <laughs> and i and i think that it was actually is when peter said 37 i felt like 37 is a significant age that's when i left the mod and set up aleph insights and um and i i feel like then i i had reached this sort of stage of feeling like i was pretty on top of things now i know that i'm going to look back in another 10 years and think well i didn't know a damn thing about nothing but um but yeah, I think uh, you know that that to, that to me. Uh, so perhaps I was a late developer when it came to sort of uh, that confidence because I didn't I didn't feel like I had any right to be in the MOD doing economic analysis at all. And then I think one of the things was you you think well someone is going to cover for me right? Someone is looking. My boss he's going to check that I'm not fucking this all up. And uh, and and then you you know one day you get promoted and you have a team and suddenly you're that guy. And I and I think having kids is a similar thing, right? So you you when you're a kid, you you never have to do anything really for yourself, and you know that someone's looking after you. And then uh, I think when you've got kids, you, the buck stops with you. And at that point, you, you know, you I think that's a big moment where you think actually I'm not going to get no one's coming to help me here. I need to sort this out. Family crisis. It's my job to sort it out. And I think eventually you you get used to that. And that that really I'd say that's the moment where you really are a grown-up, when you yeah. think, right, first port of call here is me. Yeah, I'm not going to expect anyone else to help me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I tend to ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, well, that's, that's there you go, you see. But also, this is obviously... She's she a very sensible woman. I boldly trust her opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. You want to... You, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is... I was thinking about this to the, the other day, um, and I got some conflicting ideas about this. This is to do with ego as well, I think. And I've got a theory that the ego shrinks as we as we mature. So um, what, you'll have to be more specific about ego. So uh, just one's perception of oneself and how important you are in the world. Um, that's probably what I mean. Oh, like like the sort of evolution of cosmology from an Earth centric to a heliocentric. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Get, that's a nice one. I like that. So when you sort of and when you sort of see kids and and toddlers in particular, it's just and if you see a load of toddlers playing together, it's just a raging mass of egos essentially mm. all bouncing off each other. And as as part of the maturation process, then that that ego shrinks, and so kids as they grow older become more reasonable. They understand that other people have feelings. Um, and I think one of the things you were talking about is this imposter syndrome, and and it's we're talking about a kind of nervous. It's really a, a um, it's really a worry about yourself and how you might be perceived. I think, um, and actually, if you as you mature, part of this realizing that other people might feel like that as well is 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 you start to realize actually you're not that important, and that other people don't care as much about what about you as you think, or or. Does that kind of make yeah, sense? Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I could, the only you, sorry, there's, yeah, there's, on. there's one other thing, which is one of the things you said is that kind of journey where you start to that you I think quite nicely nicely described, where you start to eventually go. Actually, I do know some stuff, but I think this is where always trying new stuff is quite important because otherwise one becomes in danger of becoming a, a, 
you know, the, a boorish middle-aged man at the bar telling everyone the way the world is. You're relatively important in the little village you've chosen to right. be in. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows you, but absolute nobody in the in the wider world. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I personally, I think this constant act of uh, almost regeneration or trying new stuff is important because I think it's always important to be in situations where you don't know what's going on. Um, I think there's a lot of psychological evidence that that's true as well, that mm. it is healthy and uh, good for your brain. Mm. You know, um, if you're constantly putting yourself in challenging positions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, just very briefly, I was talking to him, I haven't spoken to him in years. He lives in China. He's been there about 10 years now and he's, we're of a similar sort of age and he read some book that said it was a great theory, a great idea. If you you need to start taking um, psychedelic drugs when you're right. middle when you're middle aged, uh, precisely for this reason because you're no, shake. Lo- you're no longer challenged by things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so stirring the, stirring the old mental pot. <laughs> yeah. occasionally, and yeah. you can afford them, and <laughs> and they're not that expensive. Um, right, who's next? I've, I've I was rambling on there for a bit. Um, Nick, you were going to say something. Uh, but- only just the, the thing about ego. I think that's interesting because. Um, when I think some of the key markers on my journey to adulthood have involved uh, other people's perception of me. And I remember going to a meeting in Washington, D.C. when I was about 23. I was quite junior. And I met um, I met a guy in the Defense Intelligence Agency who was a uh, he was he was kind of an intern. And he was calling me sir. Now, that's fairly standard for Americans. But he was he was a guy like maybe a year younger than me calling me sir because I, you know, sort of more or less outranked him. Um, I thought, and I thought, well, you know what? I quite like that. <laughs> like, it, it could be awkward, but I, you know, I don't mind it. And then, and then you get to the point where you go into shops and they treat you like a normal person and not like someone who's about to shoplift. Um, and, and now I, I found that I, I am slightly turning into one of those people who expects good service. And, <laughs> and so it, my, even though I think my, in the sense that I, I rationally understand that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm only one of, uh, you know, 6 billion people. At the same time, I've now got a load of kind of standards floating about, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, if if I'm disappointed, I feel uh, affronted. Whereas in the past, I'd have gone, oh, I shouldn't really complain. Now I, you know, I've turned into the kind of person who thinks, well, why this? I've been waiting three minutes for this person to take my order. This place is useless. Yeah, and they haven't so, called me sir yet. Yeah, exactly. So I, so I, I think something's happened which isn't straightforwardly. My ego has diminished. In a way, it's kind of, it's dis, it's got more firm around the edges like i know i know where it is and what it expects it's got more more moral based yeah yeah yeah, i think it i think it's got it's yeah it's got a bit more confident but maybe in its diminished in its diminished state you know it's got more confident about wanting wanting what it wants you know yeah there's one other thing uh, you were mentioning about uh you know when you work out how long long you've got and i sometimes get frustrated in my career that i feel i've not achieved that i want to then i think well hold on at the rate sort of things are going with pensions and so on, I'm going to be working for another 25, 30 years. And I've been working for about about the same amount of time. So um, I've still got plenty of time and I don't need to sort of worry that I've not achieved well, stuff Well, let's yet. put it this way. Um, if your life was a weekend, you'd, you'd st- it would still be midnight on a Saturday night. That means you've got the whole of Sunday to do stuff. That's really depressing, actually, because let, let's, say, let's say that my life is a Friday, Saturday. Because I don't like a Saturday, Sunday Friday analogy. Night, so yeah, it's, it's Friday night. Friday. You're probably still up drinking whiskey. Yeah, yeah, just on the way to the club. Yeah. yeah. Now I feel okay. Yeah. Now, if, to, if, if the rest of my life was a Sunday. Death is Sunday. Yeah, that's Sunday's no good. Death. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's right. No, Nick. I was going to say, I, uh, just, I mean, in terms of sort of um, 
identifying other things that I feel, you know, were, are associated with me being a grown up, not unconnected with that, actually, which are uh, one of one of and, and about like, have you achieved the things you want to achieve? Is that I guess the things that I considered to be things I wanted to achieve have gone down and down and down and down over life. And I'm much happier. So, you know, when you're a kid and you want to be an astronaut, mm. well, imagine if you still wanted to be an astronaut, you'd spend your entire life disappointed. But actually your aspirations go, uh, you know, end up being, well, actually what I want is a Friday night in. Like that's, <laughs> that is the extent of it. I want to play it's a very board achievable. game, play a board game, have a pint of beer, maybe watch a film. That is the perfect Friday for me. And, you know, that's all I want in life, really. And, and I think you, I, th I think there is something about, you know, actually your, when your aspirations become realistic, uh, I don't feel like I've compromised. Like I'm really genuinely happy doing those kinds of things. And I'm not happy, you know, doing things that I suppose I ought to be doing. I don't want a yacht, you know. What's the I point? quite want a yacht still. That's the I'm problem. not fussed about yachts. I've got everything I need, you know. Mm. Peter? I know we don't want to bash millennials, but let's, I, but let's do it. I, but I think it's an, it's an interesting phenomenon. This sort of this uh, juvophobia, uh, which mm. a term uh, coined by uh, David Finkelhorn, and uh, he was an American uh, sociologist. How every generation kind of slightly distrusts or is concerned and disappointed with the the next generation mm -hmm. and it's 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 the previous or the next sorry the the, yeah. the, the, the next generation they 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 they, they oh, the next generation coming along coming along after yeah. them yeah so they um so it, it's born it, it's born out in every historical epoch there's er, all any any uh lots of, lots of historical records mention it so aristotle famously in the fourth century bc um, said that uh, had a disdain for young people saying that mistakes the mistakes they make are because they think they know everything and the ancient Egyptians also thought that young people were rude and selfish so it's like it's been around forever yeah in the Canterbury Tales there's the distinction isn't there between the knight and the squire and the squire all the squire wants to do is listen to music and dance and chat up girls and the knight is sort of world weary and and you know burdened with responsibility um i i think there is a distinction it's possibly another podcast but i thinking that young people are stupid i agree that's universal having a concern for an entire generation and sort of saying oh these guys i think that might be relatively new like saying they're qualitatively different i mean i think everyone says oh young people are stupid but i was young once i can see where they're coming from um but uh, to be able to, to sort of say, I, th I feel like it probably started in the 60s, 50s or 60s, that people would look at this, the new generation and say, these guys are aliens. Like, they're, they're not like us at all. They're I think doing some... weird stuff that, that is harmful. Yeah, I, think I, think... It, I, think the, yeah, I think the generational thing is uh, more recent. And something I uh, spotted uh, was an explanation that it's formed around the time of compulsory education, state-funded compulsory education. Intri intriguing theory. In Because the, uh, when, when you take... Children, you take sort of everyone. Children still exist, so small, small children. But if they, when they were able to work, they started working and were amongst the adults. So there was much more diffuse cultural identity between mm. the two groups of people. As soon as you take a generation yeah. of people out of the workplace and put them in institutions which in which they are separate from adults, they can then form and create their own subculture. Great theory. Is that your theory? No, it's not mine. Oh, I can't okay. credit it's it. It's a good theory uh, anyway. No, like it's, uh, I'll, 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 we'll, I'll dig it out for the, the show notes. But yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think that that seems that makes a lot of sense because that in in schools 
you have your own language mm. and you have your own vocabulary to describe things, which is part of the disdain that you get from adults. Uh, uh, you, you come up with you come up with your own specific words for things, and adults can't understand you. So they, you, you, or indeed, Fortnite dances, or Fortnite dances, yeah, and yeah, dabbing, yeah. dabbing. Yeah. What the hell is that all about? Yeah, Flossing. Yeah. Uh, look, we yeah. need to wrap up just before we do. Just very, very quickly, we've talked about adulthood. I want to talk about old adulthood. Oh, okay. Um, just really briefly, imagine yourself an eighty-year-old man. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell us who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. So, paint a picture for us. I got my my uh, the I, my ideal existence. Right, is perfectly encapsulated in the film Munich. Have you seen that one? The mm. thing about the uh, the Black September terrorist attacks. Um, there's a guy who's kind of a an international fixer guy. He has a big ha- house in uh, France and it's full of kind of, you know, a, a mixture of sort of his family all eating really nice food all the time and uh, drinking great wine and uh, sort of super important but hidden people, spies and, you know, diplomats and those kinds of things. And um, and, and he's just at the centre of this kind of web of, of soft influence but without being, you know, I think that's that was my dream is sort of to, to be important in some way but still be able to sit there and, and make, you know, lamb stew and stuff, not have a job or anything, just being able to, you know, be important, living in a nice big house, wooden floorboards, grand piano, you know. I like yeah, it. that'll do that'll do me. Sounds like you thought about this. Ask, is it? Yeah. No, International okay. power broker. <laughs> <laughs> the huge mansion in the yeah. South France. Right? Okay. Uh Peter? Um I am sort of embracing being a child again. In in the sense that my vision of an adult it's probably based upon my parents who both full-time workers uh, stuck at a desk all day, traveling to work in, in the mornings, coming home in late, late in the evenings. And I, yeah, to me, that's what an adult is. Quite a grey existence. I think salary man. Um, I don't want that. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the sort of millennial uh, mode of work where uh, I work from home when I feel like it, and uh, so yeah, for me, I, I I want to be that perpetual child, of um, of suiting myself quite a lot. Okay, and to still be like that in your eighties? Yes, to still to still be like that. Okay, okay. Uh, for me, I've got sort of two. I, can't, I don't don't wish I'd like to be one of them is just living in a little village by the sea and being a wizened old uh, boat builder. Um, and you know my grandkids come and see me. They love coming to see their grand granddaddy Fraser beard, beard, yeah. Um, and um, and you know I'll sit down. And I teach them how to carve wood and things like that. And I tell them wonderful stories you know about how to carve wood. I don't know. I know no, right. the first thing matter. about carving. I've, I've got thirty odd years to do it. Call um, it the, the noise of seagulls in the background. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one side of it. Fresh fish for for lunch. Yeah, I don't like fish, but um, but yeah, something like Spotted that. Spotted a floor. <laughs> uh, <go on. laughs> um, but then the alternative, which I don't know, maybe the two can go together a bit, is if you've seen the film Little Miss Sunshine, and you've got the granddad who's a heroin addict, right? And um, and is just he's just he's still a bit wild, kind of souped up, whacked out, you know, yeah, totally all the flesh sucked out of you, and just a bag of skin yeah, bones. and he and he still just goes for it, and he's really fun, yeah. and he loves his granddaughter, and. Uh, he has some great advice for his grandson, which I won't say what it is, because um, it's a bit rude. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, he dies halfway through the film, right. actually. Um, but anyway, one of those two. So that's so maybe I can Got combine it. those somehow. But 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 yeah, still a bit fun inside, hopefully. Um, okay. Uh, well, that's our discourse on. Um, I got one. I did find go one on. really good thing on Reddit. Yeah. Okay. Which was, you know, how do you know you're an adult? And someone said it's when you identify more with Squidward than SpongeBob. 
thought that's pretty good. <laughs> What's Squidward? Oh, for goodness sake. And on that note, I think we'll... SpongeBob's manager, but... Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, all right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Peter Cockle and Nick here of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.